not only making like really quality products that I personally love and that I'm making with every woman in my life and that I meet in mind, but also this like, I need to be this voice for women everywhere. It'll take over doubt, we gon' make it. Show the world that it's shining our greatness. Keep it real, never gon' fake this. So we make it, so we make it. Taking off, flying high like a spaceship. Take control, take a shot. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Danny with Shake the Earth Podcast. I got my good friend, entrepreneur, college dropout. I just learned that about you. Yep. <laughs> Jenny Wecker, she is the founder and CEO of Fond Design. I'm looking at your website right now. You got some fresh design up here. That's what we're all about. That's why we put it in our name. So, how'd you come up with the name Fawn? design. I wish I had a really cool story, but my husband came up with it one night. We were just laying in bed trying to think of names for our company. And he was like, what about Fawn? It's like, it's a really, really good name. I'm glad. But yeah, Fawn. And then we're like, let's put design on there in case we want to have lots of designs. So you started this five years ago. Yep. And when you initially started, like what made you think of, okay, I'm going to create a a better diaper bag because you didn't have kids at the time. Nope. No kids. Yeah. Did, did people ever say, Hey, you don't, you don't have kids. Like you don't know what it takes to make a diaper bag. You don't have experience with it. Well, the good news is when I was working on that, I asked a lot of people who had kids and then was like, what I sent, I think I probably sent a hundred Facebook messages to you friends and survey. people. Yeah. And I was like, what don't you like? What do you like? I always forget that I did that, but I totally did that. <laughs> do you still do like market research like that? No, not through me via my own personal <laughs> Facebook page. You're a little above and beyond that. Well, more of like, I think I spent so much time on social media, just building the company that now I'm like, I need some space from it. And, and you captured all this data, all this information, and then you went to work and you actually started, you sewed them yourself. At the I did. Right? Yeah. I started sewing when I was five years old. Um, my mom got me my first sewing machine then. She's an amazing seamstress, taught me everything I know. And so I've always done that and would make doll clothes and clothes for my dog. And I stalked your, your Instagram. She is like a costume. Yeah. She's a costume designer for film and television. Um, so yeah, she, I mean, I'm honest when I say like, I literally have never met anyone who's better at sewing than my mom. So well, I saw I your like, the was it a teacher. plant costume or some type of costume? Yeah. When you were a little kid, it was like, Oh, poison ivy, poison ivy. There it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was, I mean, as a kid growing up, I actually would get embarrassed at Halloween time <laughs> because my costumes were so good that people like in the parade at school, adults would be like, what? Like just <laughs> dying over it. And I just would be like, can I go to class? Like, I just want to be with my friends. It was just, or trick or treating. It was like, oh my gosh, what? Like too much. And my mom knows that. So I can say that, but, and now I have her make all like my, my kids costumes. So they're now get a taste of what I want. So you at a super early age, you were like sewing and you knew, like the ins and outs of sewing because it's pretty complex. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too. I just feel like I have this mind for sewing. Everything is backwards and inside out. Yeah. And for some reason I look at everything kind of that way. And I think that's why sewing for me was just not necessarily easy, but I just picked it up really fast, you know, being only five. And then I just growing up continued to just keep doing that. You know, when I was in middle school, I was making my own swimming suits and my own dresses, and I made my own wedding dress when I got married. Oh, wow. And for me, like that, what's so funny is like, I just don't know any difference. So people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, that's just how my brain works. So, so I got the idea to do the diaper bag because I had a friend 
just over five years ago who was pregnant. And we were hanging out one night and she was telling me she couldn't find a diaper bag that she liked and she was just going to use a Jan Sport or just some random backpack because she's like, I'd just rather carry that than, you know, what's out there. And I just remember thinking, I feel like I could make her something really cool that she would love. And my intention at the time was literally just to make a gift for a baby shower. It wasn't to actually start a product. No, because I didn't have any money and I wanted to get her a nice <laughs> gift. So, and she was like, you know, one of my really good friends. And so I went home and started kind of drawing up ideas and then sending out those little surveys, asking people and, you know, picking things from that. And then ultimately landed on the design that is still like our original bag today. Like it's, our bag has changed a little as far as, you know, quality and some, you know, just is, updates. Is there a style for that? It's like a bucket bag almost, right? I know it's, like it's the, kind it's of like... a mix of like a bucket bag, but we always, we just call it kind of our signature half circle shape. That's okay. how we just um, describe it to people. And at the time, no one was doing a bag like that. So it was really unique. And, but, and for those that are listening, like if you look at, you can go to fondesign.com, but like the top, if you imagine like a bucket, imagine the top zipping almost was it halfway off and it, you get total yeah. access to, to the total, to the whole bag. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was the biggest feedback I got was people like, I just feel like everything, I can't see what's inside it. So I'm like, how can I do something that opens really big, but like, you know, isn't ginormous and can be a backpack and have some of these other features. But, um, yeah, so it took me a couple months of like prototyping at home. And, you know, at this time I'm living in a one bedroom apartment Our, you know, I'm saying dining with quotation marks, <laughs> dining area, you know, is now the sewing, you know, it's just stuff everywhere. And, you know, I was working full time actually as a dental assistant, you know, so eight to five or later every single day. And then I'd come home and so, and so when I gave the friend the bag, it kind of all just started to snowball. So, I had. so when you gave it to her, obviously the idea kind of sparked something else at some point. Did she say, Hey, this is, you're on to something or did it was her people friends, at the shower saying, and then, hey. yeah. And then just kind of from there, a lot of people were like, Hey, can you make me one of those? And I'm like, sure, I guess I can make another one and then another one and then another one. And then it, were you selling them like by this time? Yeah. But for like nothing, just basically, yeah, just like, sure. Yeah. Like I'll do it. We decided that there was enough people that I'm like, I need like a website or something to like direct people to. Cause this is kind of like, I'm not very organized. So I'm like losing track of people I've said I'd make one for. So we made like a really terrible website on Weebly. <laughs> no one's ever heard of Weebly for a reason. Uh, and so what I would do is I would have like, 10 bags that I would list, or I'd say, okay, I'm going to list 10 bags and you'll get it in two weeks. So you kind of made the orders. Would you collect payment then up front at yeah. this point? Okay. Yeah. Cause I needed the money to buy material. I didn't have any <laughs> money. So did that for almost an entire year would just like do what I felt like I could like make. And, and all this is like, while I'm working a full-time job, my husband's working going to school and we literally just would spend nights just, and I would stay awake till three or four in the morning. Was your husband night. helping you do this as well? So he would help, he helped with like the website stuff. And then I actually taught him how to cut out the bags. Okay. Cause that so like the dyes and everything just, yeah. Like the, the pattern pieces. Cause those would, it would take an hour to cut a bag out and each bag took four hours to make. And I'm like, wow. if I can shave an hour off just in cutting out the pieces. So he would come home, turn on the golf channel and just go to town cutting out the bags. And I just would sit and sew 
we bought an industrial sewing machine that my parents like loaned us the money. And then I told them like, I'll pay you back, you know, in six months or whatever it was to get that machine. Um, was it expensive? Like a thousand bucks, which at the time, like That's it like, was like a thousand dollars, you know, so much money. Um, but it was very, yeah, it was super satisfying being able to pay them back for that when I said I would. So you did that for a year, a year. Yeah. Did you at any moment you're like, you know what, this could be way big or you're like, uh, I don't know what I've created. You know, here. honestly, it was my husband was the one who's like, we need to get these like manufactured. Like there's clearly a lot of people. He's like, you're turning people down left and right. And I just kind of had this feeling of like, no, I want this to be handmade. And then what started to happen towards the end of that first year is I just started to not love to sew. Mm. And that to me was like, okay, something's got to change. Like you've loved this your whole life. And it's just that mass production, right? Where you're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And, you know, it sounds dramatic, but like I was sewing so much that like the corners of my fingers and like would literally bleed from just like pinching the the full leather over and over and holding it. And like my fingers were just like so tired and like, and I was tired and I wasn't sleeping. And I just kind of was like, this isn't sustainable. I don't really want to do this. And my husband's like, let's get a manufacturer. And I finally was like, okay, let's do it. So we started looking into manufacturers and we quickly realized it was super expensive. We we found we needed like $20,000, which I just said I borrowed $1,000 from my parents. <laughs> like just didn't have that. And even though we were making the bags, we were just putting it all back into buying supplies. So we started looking into like what we could do. We went to a couple of banks to try and get a small business loan. And they all kind of looked at me like, you haven't made any money. Why would we give you money? And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a isn't fair, that, fair that, point. It's fair, but it's also like there's there are horses that you bet on sometimes. I Just know. by seeing the momentum, I but know. It's, hard, it's hard to convince banks. Totally. Like and that. especially me five years ago, like with no no business plan, nothing to show them other than just well, like. Well, you're a you're a Dropout. Dropout. Yeah. Come what even now. is a business plan? Yeah. How do you write one? I'm just kidding. But so yeah, the banks wasn't going to happen. We ended up, this is like one of those things I always cringe when I tell a story, but we took out like five credit cards each. So we read <laughs> that if you, if you apply within an hour window, you can get approved for a bunch before like the credit cards have time to report it to the credit bureau, like cheating the system. Right. <laughs> so we just, we both are sitting on the computer on the ground Hurry and like, okay, Amex, MasterCard, every single thing. You know, we got approved for, I think, half of what we applied for. But collectively, we're like, okay, we have like $20,000 worth of credit we can do. And we almost were going to do that. But then we both were like, this is silly. Like everything we've ever been taught. Like, um, and I also just found out I was pregnant with our first and I'm like, are Perfect we, timing. yeah, are we really going to start our family with $20,000 of credit card debt? And so we like, we're like, okay, let's not do that. And I had heard about Kickstarter. And so we decided like, let's, let's try Kickstarter. Um, and so we, within a month had our Kickstarter live, which I don't recommend to anybody because if you go look at ours, it looks I, I, I feel so bad. Like you don't recommend going that fast or yeah. you don't re recommend Kickstarter? No, Kickstarter is great. So Kickstarter is like super tech heavy. I feel like that's where like they're, a lot of the products are tech and for just our customers, they just didn't understand what it was. And I would, I wish like we could have maybe done like a pre-order on our own website. Oh, yeah. Cause then yeah. too, Kickstarter keeps a percentage Dude, hey, of the money. It's like, a lot. It's like 8% or something oh, like I, that. I think it? it's more than that. Is it more than that? Yeah. I think it's wow. like closer to 15. Wow. And then the payment 
processor takes, I think, 15 mm. to close to that. So it's significant. But also, I, I just think with Kickstarter, a lot of people think, oh, it's this huge platform. It's going to generate a lot of eyes on it. And that's just not necessarily true. Anyway, so Kickstarter, we're like, okay, let's do it. We kind of, th- we night and day for a month, like threw together our, our page and did a video. And, you know, I'm really happy with what it is for considering like we had no money. And I, even the videographer who did the video, I told him like, I can pay you, you know, this much, or if you'll wait till after the Kickstarter, I'll pay you the full amount, <laughs> you know? And he was such a gem and was like, I have faith in you. Like pay me after the Kickstarter. Um, so we had our Kickstarter run for 15 days and <laughs> you're such an entrepreneur. I just, well, I just didn't have money. So it was like, how can I get what I need? And I was like, I'll make you bags. I'll make your sister's bags. Anyone <laughs> just, I'll make you a bag. And that seemed to work for a lot of people. Um, but so we did the Kickstarter and what I did, which I attribute a lot of our success to was this was, you know, five years ago, Instagram was just barely becoming a thing bloggers, you know, having a social presence like that was just kind of people were starting to notice that. And so I emailed at least a hundred that I followed and was like, told them kind of my story, what I was trying to do. And I was like, if you post about my Kickstarter, I'll send you a bag. And I had 30 say yes. And so, um, you have such a huge online and social media presence. Well, like massive it's taken a lot of free bags to get us there. Yeah. <laughs> And that's always just been a huge part of our brand is just really collaborating with other people. Because I, you know, from Kickstarter early on realized like, you know, moms and grandmas are great for talking about your cool business on Facebook, but you need everybody talking about it. And that's just, and that's still a core for us today of just of doing those collaborative things. But so I'd reached out to them. They all agreed to post during the Kickstarter. And I really attribute the fact that we, um, not only hit our goal, but surpassed it. Our goal was to raise $25,000 and we ended up raising $42,000. So I like to say, yeah, I think our product's great and it is, but like that was, I think the key piece of just having people talk about it. So that's what I recommend to anybody who asks me about Kickstarter is I'm like, or any sort of like you're trying to get money is you have to get other people talking about it or you know, you can't just rely on Kickstarter's search engine or, you know, or even a good product. Yeah. Right. If you don't have yeah. people talking about it. Yeah. It's just no one know How would anyone know about it? So about halfway through our campaign, so it was only 15 days, which a lot of people do it for a month. And we ran it in December. We didn't want it to get too close to Christmas. But then I also was like a month of this. Like I can't, I'm like so pregnant and sick and I just can't. So it's like either we get it done in a week and a half or we're done. So we kind of said that we're like, if this doesn't work out, like we're not going to like, that's like kind of the sign we need that. So you would have, you would have scrapped font design. Yeah. And like halfway through our campaign, we weren't even halfway to our goal. And so we, like my husband and I sat down and we're like, okay, like, I think this probably isn't going to work. So you weren't even at 10, 12 grand by halfway through your campaign. And we were like, I think like we need to be realistic about this and I just don't think it makes sense. If we don't get this money, we just don't have another way. We, you know, and we didn't want to ask for money, like, you know, from family or anything, even, you know, I just, just didn't want to do that. And so we, yeah, we just kind of decided that day, like, if this doesn't work, we're not going to move forward. And so for us to hit the goal, surpass the goal, that was kind of for me like this, like, okay, people actually want this that I, that I don't know that aren't my mom and grandma. And 
there's something here. And we actually, a couple months after our Kickstarter, the New York Times featured our Kickstarter um, one day, which was sick. No way. Yeah, and I like got to walk down to Starbucks and get the paper and front page of the business section, there was me and it was awesome. That's when, that was like your, your, um, tipping point. Yeah. Where it became like real of like, okay, this is something. And it was kind of crazy after that because we, so we placed our first manufacturing order. We ordered a thousand bags, which at the time just that seemed like so, so much, much money I, and, or just like, how could we ever sell this many bags ever? We had pre-sold 400 on Kickstarter. So we got the bags in April I, we got, let's see. So yeah, we got the bags, I think days before I had our baby, like, <laughs> like literally, like, I don't even think it was a week and I'm shipping my gosh. 400 bags out of my house. So pregnant. I have our baby <laughs> go to, you know, go into labor, have the baby come home two days later. And we decide to put the remaining 600 bags on our website that they're available thinking these are going to last till like October. So this is April or even we're thinking maybe October, December. We sold them all in just a couple of days. Are you serious? 600 bags. And, and now I, you have a fresh day, capital, a new baby. Two day old baby and a garage full of bags. <laughs> so I call my mom. I'm like, mom, I need you to come here. And she's probably thinking like, oh, what's wrong with baby? I'm like, I need you to come help me ship stuff. <laughs> and we have this great picture of me like... Just, it's hilarious because I'm sitting at this like makeshift desk at my kitchen table, just surrounded by USPS boxes, nursing the baby, like printing labels, just like. What caused those other 600 to just catch like fire? Like I didn't, it- I guess I just didn't realize the amount of people who are following us on social media who are just waiting That's for incredible. them to be available. It Yeah, it was so shocking. And so that then that second year in business was just this kind of chase of like getting enough capital from selling bags and then ordering and waiting 60 days for them to get here. And like, that was the battle I fought all my second year of like primarily being out of stock of product, which I look back, I'm like, how did we survive? Because so many people usually just move on to the next thing. But for whatever reason, people are like, no, I'm just going to wait till they restock, even if it's in three months. And people did that. Or even people were like, can I pay you right now, even though I won't get it for three months? Like people just wanted the bag that bad. I think part of it has to go to the brand that you've built, like you yourself as well. You're very out in front. People know who you are. You're you're obviously a woman and an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people look up to you and they want to buy part of that story, right? And they, they think part of doing that is buying your products and supporting you. Yeah, I think um, that's what makes us unique. You know, there's a million other diaper bags out there. There's a lot of competition yeah, too since, since you have um, totally. grown as well. And the thing that I realized, like, I want people to be part of that story. I want them to feel connected to me because I can't do any of what I do without the people who are supporting me and purchasing from us. And I know that might sound a little cliche, but it's the honest truth. And I think especially, you know, my recommendation to people who were competition is fierce is be vulnerable with people and put yourself out there and share your story. Cause that's what separates you from everybody else. I think that's what you've done really well. Just looking at your social media and your story. Um, one of the, I think fascinating things that, that kind of draws me to your brand and I'm a huge fan of your brand. I mean, we, we buy a lot of your stuff for some of our company stuff, but is that you did it without raising capital without, without really going into debt 
and without um, taking on investors. That yeah. is so hard to do, especially with a consumer brand. It's like un- unheard of. Um, you did it kind of on accident, though. Yeah. Right? You kind of you, you knew you didn't really want to bring on any debt, and um, I'm sure I know you have investors trying to get into yeah. your in your business, <laughs> right? Yeah, honestly, it's something I'm super proud of that I actually don't really get to talk about very often. Taking money sometimes seems really appealing um, just to have that kind of some of that pressure taken off at times. But ultimately, obviously, I'm so grateful I own 100% of my company. I also think, though, there's this element that I feel like there's nothing unique about me as a person sitting here that no one else I'm trying to, I always have a hard time explaining this, but like to me, like no one gave me money. I wasn't able to get VC money or a bank loan or anything. And I was still able to figure it out. And I'm like really grateful for that. And I hope it helps other people realize that they can do it too. And there's not anything that I have that's unique that, you know, makes it so I have this advantage. It's not, I just, I mean, as you've heard, like I was really like, I'll make you a bag. I'll do this. I'll, you know, and you just sometimes have to get super creative, but I think that's the definition of like a really, really good entrepreneur though. Like I think you're a really, really good entrepreneur. You have a vision, you have something that you want to accomplish. And then you have to figure out what are the resources you have and don't have and what can you do with what you have and you and you figure it out. But also I think the big thing that people get caught up on is the patience aspect. Yeah. Of like how long is it really gonna take to grow this if you don't take on investors versus giving up a controlling stake or giving up equity and having to deal with people that maybe don't share the same mission as you, you know, it took you years, it took you a couple of years to get your own, like figure out your, your growth pattern. But like in the last couple of years, you have just exploded. Like you're is a multi-million dollar business. We're talking about here with like great value. Uh, you should be proud. Thank you. That was very nice of you. I am super proud and I'm still so have to be so creative, you know, especially when, you know, January is a slower month and things, you know, I still have a hefty payroll I got to figure out, you know, and like, how are we going to, you know, launch this new product that like I'm super excited about, but we don't know how the market will feel. There's so much of that kind of creative thinking that you just have to always have. Is it true to say that mo money, mo problems? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Really? All your problems just get magnified. No. And yeah. I think I think honestly, for me, because people ask like, oh, so what's what's hard with your business right now? Because I think everyone looks at it like, oh, it's doing so well, like it should be easy where I'm like, man, though, the pressure now of it's not just about me anymore. You know, I have 13 employees here in Utah and then 70 manufacturing employees overseas. Like that is so much like so many people and so many families and And they depend on your decisions you make every day. And they hope that I'm doing the best. I'm like, that is what keeps me up at night is the people that work for me that I'm like, I want them to be taken care of because I couldn't do what I do without them. And that's the stuff that's hard now. Do you ever look back and say, holy smokes, like this is how far I've come and get scared about where you want to go? Cause you, you've been vocal with me on where you want to go with this. Do you think, you know, maybe I should be happy with a multi-million dollar business or is there a, is there like something bigger that you want that scares you? You know, what's, what's, what's been tough for me, especially because I, I never started the business to make money. So now as I'm bringing on, you know, a legitimate team and all these people involved and I have to be somewhat sales driven, it's really hard for me because that's not why I do it. That's never why I did it. Um, 
But then I have to see, you know, in order to be a good CEO, you have you have to care about that kind of stuff. Um, and because I want to take care of my employees, I have to, you know, I have to care. So that's something like that kind of, it's definitely causes me stress. But the other aspect is this, you know, this online community and platform that we've built. And I just feel this great sense of like needing to be more than just bags. We talked just briefly about this campaign that we just launched. That's very like women empowerment. It's incredible campaign. Well, thank you. We did a really good job on it. And I'm, I'm so excited for, you know, where we're going to take it and what the, the bigger picture is. But, you know, I have to admit it's hard. It's hard to care so much about people mm-hmm. <laughs> like that sounds, but it's hard. You just, the amount of pressure that puts on you. And I think for me with this campaign is I'm like, this is so important and so needed. And that's scary. That's scary to be in this position of like, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to offend people. I want women everywhere to feel empowered and cared about and loved and all of these things. And that's, that's a big responsibility. Well, you, you've reached this like level of success to where you have, you have the power to do some pretty incredible things, not just making money. You you obviously have done that and you've been successful at it, but now, like, just I was looking at your campaign. I think I texted you last week, and I yeah. said this campaign is just—it's unreal. It's like I think I think people need to go check it out. You can see it on your Instagram. Yeah, it's on our Instagram. But yeah, that burden that you carry now—it goes beyond making sales. It goes yeah. beyond sewing a bag or making a product and, and turning around making a profit. You're you're becoming what what I would call, and somebody that taught me this, but you, an A company, right? You have you have a company that does really good, and they they make money, but they also uplift people and they build people up versus like a D company that just makes money and hurts people. And I think that's just, I've never, it's never been about the money for me ever. And it never will be. And I've always felt, and I've seen this in my own life that when you're focused on other things than the money, the money comes, it always does. And the second you start to just worry so much about the money, you've totally lost sight. And and then it will be harder to get to get it. When I talk to people who are like, oh, you know, I want to start a business to make some extra money. I'm like, hold on for a second. I can tell you, like, it's going to be really hard if that's why you're doing it. Because we're, we are really motivated by money as people. But when it's, when it's, when times start to get tough, we're always like, we can figure it out another way. Yeah. And there's too many times within my business where, it ha- the money isn't enough, right? And I'm sitting in my bathroom f- floor, bawling my eyes out because I'm like, this is way too hard. This is way too hard. It's not even worth it. The money's not worth it. Um, but the thing that always gets me to come back is just this greater purpose of like, not only making like really quality products that I personally love and that I'm making with every woman in my life and that I meet in mind, but also this like, I need to be this voice for women everywhere, no matter where they are at in their life. Like, and that's why I keep going. And when the days that are so hard and I'm like, I'm going to give it another try. I'm going to try again tomorrow. I, I always call it having your default. Like what's your default setting to when you need to reset? And I always tell that to people. And you, you probably talk to a lot of people that want to start businesses. People ask me all the same time. I say, you got to have a really strong default because that's going to be what you default back to when it gets so hard that you want to quit. Yeah. And I think you have a really clear one and seeing your campaigns recently, it's just, it's incredible. I've got a question for you that, that I get asked not as much, 
But I get asked, um, you got two little ones. Like, how do you balance, and a husband, and and how do you balance, like, being a CEO, a founder, um, you got a ton of employees, you got a lot of customers, you have a public image, and then you have this family that's, like, watching you, and how do you balance that? Like, when you're saying all that, I'm like, ooh, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Sometimes you forget, right, when you're in the thick of it? Default, default, Default. find your default. Well, the one thing I want to say that I just literally had, like, this epiphany a month ago. Someone was asking me kind of a similar question about how are you a mom and a CEO? And for some reason, and I get asked that a ton, and I'm like, I think these people think that I'm doing it at the same time. Where it's like, yes, I'm always a mom, just like you're always a dad, but I'm not, you know, being the mom while I'm being the CEO. You know, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about fawn. I'm thinking about all those things. And then when I'm home, I'm thinking about my family. So... I, I always, I'm like starting to realize how important that is to say of like, I'm not this superwoman who's on a conference call, holding the baby, doing the dishes, you know, you no. got to compartmentalize. Things. Yeah. And I have a team and at home I have a team, right? I have a nanny. I have a cleaning lady. Like I have people in my life, like helping do those things. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not doing it all. Um, and I'm, and I'm one of those people who I'm, I'm so proud to like say those things because it's made my life so much better of just like, no, like I don't need to be cleaning my house. Like I, when I'm home, I want to be with my kids and with my husband. So like, I feel a hundred percent okay with paying someone to do that. And obviously you do what works for you, but that's what works for me. You have to schedule, schedule. Like I have such a strict schedule at work and even at home, like, you know, I try and get up at the same time every day and, you know, I make time to drive my daughter to school when I can, but then also like giving yourself forgiveness when you, when you fall short. And I'm saying that with quotations because we're never really falling short. I think we're just so hard on ourselves as people, but I have so many times where I'm like, Oh, like I should have driven Georgia to preschool today and I had this thing come up and da, da, da. And it's like, who cares? It's fine. Yeah. She knows that I love her and that I'm doing like everything I'm doing so that she'll have a better life. She maybe doesn't understand that right now, but when she's older, I know she's going to be so proud of me and what I've done. And seeing you do what you're doing. Yeah. Which and you're a huge anomaly, right? I mean, it's just the way you've grown your business and how you've, how you've done it. I think that's really important for your kids to see that as well. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah. So I think, yeah. So I'm like, definitely like have a, have a pretty like strict schedule. I think that people thrive off structure, but then be flexible and be patient and be forgiving when you might not, you know, you might, I'm sometimes I miss a work meeting that I probably shouldn't have missed because I chose to be with my family and that's great. That's okay. And that's okay. But you, you created this so you can have that flexibility. Yeah. So you don't blame yourself. Yeah. You have to just be patient. Um, I've got way more questions for you, but I've got, this is the last one Okay. that I want you to, Better be good. that I want you to think about. I don't know if it's good, but it's one that I want to hear yourself five, six years ago, or somebody who wants to start a business. Okay. What would be your biggest piece of advice to that person today? I'm, I kind of, I'm sure you saw my face. I cringed a little bit, mostly because the first thing that popped in my head is it is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And I feel like I've had some hard things in my life and this is so hard. 
And I think you think like, oh, the longer I do it, the easier it will get. And it's just a whole other level. Yeah. Like I was talking about that pressure, you know, we're like five years ago when it was just me, I'm not feeling pressure for employees that don't exist, yeah. you know? So you can look at people and think, oh man, they've got it so good. It looks so easy. Like they get to do this and this and this. And it's like, and it comes at such a high price. Um, but I also think the other thing I tell people is just start, just start right now. I think a lot of entrepreneurs that. would say, I wish I would have started sooner. I think we all have said that at some yeah. point, like, man, if I could have. So I'm like, make a list of all the things you think you need to do and just get to work, get your head down, get to work. And also don't, you know, it, it's really easy to want to reach out to people and like, what's your advice? What's this and that, which is great, but don't wait for them to get back to you. Like put your head down, get to work. And then when they get back to you, it's like, great. And then you can talk more with them. But I, I've, I've been in conversations with people where they're like, Oh, I reached out to so-and-so, you know, and haven't heard back. And in my head, I'm kind of thinking, and what are you doing? Like, what else are you going to do? Like, don't, don't sit back. Yeah. Don't sit back because so much of your business is like you just having to get down and do the work and it always falls on you. So I just love start, that. just start. I love that. Um, Jenny, if people want to follow you, where can they find you? So Fawn Design on Instagram is where we're at. And then fawndesign.com. So keeping it pretty, pretty easy. And if you want to follow me personally, yes. Jenny, Jenny Wecker on Instagram IG. and you can see my, I would just recommend everybody go check out your new campaign. I just yes. think it doesn't have anything to do with Fawn Design. No. And that's, that's what we wanted. We we're that's, like, that's it's just cool lucky we have the platform with Fawn to Super well done. So, really, you. really impactful. I love the stories. I, I'm I'm a brand junkie. Like I'm a brand snob, and I think you hit, you hit it right on the head with this. Thank you. Um, this campaign, and so I would love to have you back on. Maybe yeah. talk about something specific. Like how do you how do you determine a, a new product to launch? You know, how do you approach design? Um, maybe something like that. One of these topics in the cool. future. I'd love yeah, to have love you on. To. So if you're just joining us, uh, you need to listen to this podcast with Jenny Wecker, CEO and founder of Fawn Design. You can check her out. She's amazing. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review. You can also catch us on Google Play. Go out and shake the earth. Shake the earth.